My name is Ravi Kumar, President at Infosys. Welcome to this new chapter of Trailblazers. I have a very distinguished guest today, the, C the global CIO and Senior Vice President of uh, Verizon, a Fortune 15 company, Shankar Armuvelu. Uh, Shankar has been at uh, Verizon for 25 plus years in a variety of leadership roles, and I'm going to talk to him about uh, the future of the role of a CIO, uh, what's happening on digital transformation, and the 5G revolution, uh, which, is, uh, which is taking over the world. Thank you, Shankar, uh, for talking to us uh, at your beautiful campus in New Jersey. Uh, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, let me tee up the first question to you. Um, you know, Verizon, I would say, is ahead of the curve, working on this uh, opportunity. I'm say, I, I think they're seizing this opportunity on 5G. Tell us a little bit about what your team is doing to contribute to that cause. Uh, Ravi, thank you, and it's a pleasure to be here with you. Um, uh, absolutely. So at Verizon, we are um, in this massive transformation. So we call it Verizon 2.0. Uh, and uh, this transformation is much more than an organization change, if you will. So it starts with our network, first and foremost, being a leading service provider. Uh, um, so the whole idea there is how do we make network as a service? And we talk about this as uh, intelligent edge network. And what we are doing there is uh, really, rather than having these custom-built networks for each of the business units that we have within Verizon, uh, we have embarked on this journey to really build a single multi-purpose network uh, that can support multiple business units. And above and beyond the network, from the business standpoint, we have reoriented the organization around customer segments uh, rather than how we used to be structured based on technologies before. So we now have a consumer group, a business group, a media group, from a brand that is a massive transformation that we have going on to really be that responsible brand that represents trust and innovation, focus on process engineering for future flexibility, and also a big emphasis on uh, leadership and culture for the future of work. Um, so a big focus for us is on 5G, as you pointed out. Um, and if you think about the evolution uh, in the, with the previous Gs, if you will, right? 1G was all about voice, 2G was text, 3G was data and apps. Uh, 4G was uh, a video and speed. 5G, and, and all these, the, the prior generations, I would say those were still incremental. 5G is totally transformational in terms of the new currencies that it brings to the table. So we talk about eight currencies that 5G brings, and one of the most uh, important thing being there, the, uh, uh, the massive bandwidth, the speed that we get, and the low, extremely low latency. Uh, that opens up a plethora of use cases that we have not even uh, seen in the market. And this is primarily in the B2B space. I Absolutely. So, so yes, there is a play for 5G in a consumer, certainly, like, you know, and we have both on fixed wireless and mobility. But the big thing, big wave that we see with 5G is really on the enterprise segment, B2B. And I think we talk about this as the real-time enterprise and how 5G will usher in this uh, fourth industrial revolution. In fact, I, I do believe that that will even propel digital transformation because digital transformation for large enterprises is all about sentient real-time enterprises. Absolutely. So, and, and this is virtually every, every industry, every company, every enterprise is going through this digital transformation. I think 5G will be that catalyst Absolutely. that will be able to demonstrate the art of the possible. And in terms of specifically what we do as an organization, as a technology organization, all the way from planning, engineering, 
building out that network and being able to demonstrate these use cases that we can then monetize on. So we play a critical role throughout the spectrum. And, and I'm, I'm guessing what will happen is firms like uh, Verizon would start uh, building a consultative layer around those use cases for adaption in, in large enterprises. Yes. And, and, and I think this is going to be first understanding what are the problems and op opportunities in each of these uh, verticals, and then figuring out what is the value proposition that 5G brings to the table, right. those eight currencies that I talked about, yeah. and then how do you demonstrate the art of the possible with what 5G can bring to the table, and then connect the dots to what the problems and opportunities are for the enterprise. Thank you, Shankar. Switching gear, um, and it's a little bit uh, pivoted to uh, what you're doing on transformation. The role of the CIO is changing significantly. Uh, you know, the traditional role of being a custodian of systems uh, is switching to being a custodian of experience, um, the ability to take your products to the market at rapid pace, and uh, the ability to contribute to the revenue versus cost. And I know you are a big evangelist of this. Tell us a little bit about how that is, how, how you think the role of the CIO is going to change generically for enterprises. I think uh, you're, you're absolutely right. So traditionally, the focus uh, of the CIO has been more around optimizing for efficiency and risk, if you will. Uh, but more and more, that role is changing to some one of optimizing for not only efficiency and risk, but also for agility, speed, and innovation right. in a big way, right? So really, when we think about digital transformation, CIOs are at the helm of digital transformation, really being able to show what can technology do to be able to propel the uh, business forward. And as you pointed out, the drivers are, are very clear, right? So customer expectations are changing. So because customers are, are expecting the high-quality digital experiences that they are right. used to in, in one industry, world, yeah. they expect the same yeah. in, in uh, other companies as well. And those lines are blurring as well. Absolutely, right? So, and now when we think about employees, yeah. employees are digital consumers as well. So they expect the same experience when they come into the workplace. Yeah. And technology is evolving. And what we are able to do with technology today, and the art of the possible there is huge. Plus, in a hyper-competitive environment, it all comes down to the agility and speed to market. Yep. So, so clearly, technology plays a big part, and CIOs play a big role in really bringing this vision to reality. You know, uh, just on that thread, um, and I was, I was speaking to one of the CIOs yesterday, and he spoke to me about how democratization of consumption of technology because of the cloud. It's a, at a point of time, CIOs were custodians of the infrastructure and that infrastructure is getting virtualized. And uh, what do you see the role of the CIO when consumption of technology happens in the functional groups, and they do it in a very democratized way? What do you see the role of the CIO to be in, in, in that journey? So, so if you think about, I think, uh, you know, uh, we used to have, even before the cloud, there used to be this uh, concept of what was referred to as shadow IT, yep. if you will, right? Um, and the primary reason for that coming into being was when you have a central technology organization, when they're not able to keep pace with, with the, the, business the clock speed yeah. of the business, that is when the business still has a problem to solve. So they go after solutions that others are able to provide either, either as a service or other ways of delivering that. And what cloud has done that is that has essentially uh, been a catalyst for software as a service. So to be able to spin up solutions 
they're able to do that in much shorter time. So first and foremost, I think you know, stopping that whole thing, in my view, is not the right way to move the business forward. But we need to make sure that there is a common architecture that the CIOs play a big part in defining. And not necessarily everything has to be built in-house. So there is a role for suppliers as well to play. But it's important for the leader of technology to know where the company's data, customer data, company data, employee data is sitting. Because that becomes like in a first priority to make sure that we are protecting, safeguarding that data. And more and more with the regulatory requirements that's coming up as well, take for instance the California Consumer Privacy Act, et cetera, we have to make sure there's an inventory of where this data is sitting. If you don't have that basic governance, then it becomes a wild, wild west. So from that standpoint, yes, I'm supportive of having these, but it's got to be aligned with a common architecture. And still, there's got to be some light touch governance at the central technology level. Got it. And, 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 and the ability to uh, standardize wherever you could, the ability to uh, have good bargaining power with yes. the providers of technology and everything yes. else that plays a good role. In fact, the one other area, if you talk to digitally native firms and the roles the tech shop plays there versus large enterprises, is the ability to build an innovation infrastructure so that you could constantly experiment. Um, and I remember you telling me many times, how do we build that culture of innovation and actually building an innovation infrastructure at Verizon as well, which can constantly be, uh, be moved into the products, moved into your, uh, uh, into, your, um, into your outlets where you're selling those products and everything else. Uh, what's your view there on the innovation infrastructure? And that's a big difference between digital native firms and large enterprises. Absolutely, absolutely, right? So, see, the thing is, uh, um, if, you take about, if you talk about how our transformation that we are going through as well, we have been a big proponent of getting things right the first time. So that's our history. We are an execution-focused company, and when we put our muscle behind something, we get it done. I will also say the second order effect of something like that was, to some extent, it stifles trying different things. Being iterative. Exactly, right? Being adaptive, iterative, you know, testing and learning, running experiments, et cetera. What we're working on in our transformation journey is actively working on shedding that, shifting from being right the first time to more embracing an approach where you test and learn. So one of the things that we do, for instance, in our digital space, we measure how many experiments we have running at any given time. And that is a good barometer for us to really say, because it's not that you can get everything right the first time when you're talking about providing services to hundreds of millions of customers and how their preferences are to interact with us. So we try a few, thing, a few experiments, figure out what works, make sure that if it works, we're scaling that across. If not, then we learn from that, fail fast, and move forward. Right? So that's a big thing. And I'm also a big believer in innovation is something that, it, that is at its best only when every employee in the company applies up. their discretionary energy yeah. towards the problems and opportunities that the company faces. Uh, so to that extent, what we have done now is really democratize this in a big way, created a platform where to start flexing that muscle, we're giving out challenges, innovation challenges to the organization. And this is grounds up? Grounds up, like, you know, so, but to start off, we said we gave a challenge to really start figuring out how do we have folks come out of their organizational boundaries, if you will, and collaborate across, which 
Otherwise, they would not be doing because they are focused on their projects, et cetera. And have them really work towards that common cause to say, if this is the challenge, how can we come together and see what we can do? And very recently, like, you know, we, we had an employee experience challenge to see how we can take our digital workplace to the next level. 700 plus ideas came in within a matter of two, two plus weeks. So now how do we you know, systematize that whole process to really vet those ideas, having a committee that goes through that, figures the viability of those and the technology feasibility of those ideas as well, uh, and then get back to the teams to say, here is what we want to do. So the whole objective here is how do we make it a grassroots movement yep. and start having the teams start figuring out here are the new things that we can do. And do you, at the finishing line, give them the venture capital needed to culminate that into production? Exactly. So when we go through the whole process, we get the list of ideas, we vet them, shortly, and, and the peers also get to vote on those ideas. That's the beauty of this as well. So those ideas that bubble to the top then gets evaluated, and we figure out which ones needs the funding. We put the funding behind that and start working on productizing that. So that's, the, that's a big emphasis for us uh, at this point to really see how we can start flexing that muscle and get ideas. And in, and in fact, we have a a credo uh, in Verizon, which is essentially a guidepost of how we do things. And we, we very, uh, very publicly talk about ideas live and die on their own merit, uh, not where they are originated. So, so uh, this is something that we, we take to heart and encourage. Was cultural that. shift in bringing that kind of a mindset uh, a hard thing to do? Culture, like, you know, see, here's the thing. Culture, uh, coming, going back to the point I made before, Coming from an environment where we emphasized in a big way on getting things right the first time, so there was no room for error, absolutely. I would say that mindset shift was a big thing for folks to really say, wait a minute, if that was the, the focus before, and now we are, we are being told to run experiments, take risks, we had to make sure that the entire value chain also changed accordingly. What do I mean by that? Take, for instance, recognitions used to be where the emphasis was when we were focused on execution, we were recognizing results. Results mattered. Now we are putting more of an emphasis, yes, results absolutely does matter at the end of the day, but also the teamwork, the effort, and the process that goes behind that is also being valued. And we are actively uh, uh, making, calling, out, like, you know, calling out those examples uh, and showcasing them in uh, you know, webcasts and other uh, events, et cetera. Even though it was not a big success, we wanted to put a spotlight on how we are changing the way we are working and how, and how, why that's an important thing for us to make that mindset shift. Just a quick, uh, a quick comment on uh, whether you uh, embrace startups around that ecosystem of innovation. Uh, is that a part of your agenda as well? And how, does, how is that going? So, so if you think about innovation, Clearly, like, you know, we are also embracing this, you know, getting rid of this not invented here uh, thinking as well, because we know uh, there is a lot of good work that happens in the, in the industry. So take, for instance, even 5G. Yep. Uh, so the day we, earlier this year at uh, CES back in January, when we uh, announced our plans for 5G, we issued uh, a challenge, a built-on 5G challenge. The whole thing there was to really, one, share what is the art of the possible with the technology, but also enlist the support of the ecosystem, startups and other uh, uh, you know, players who are in this space to see how they can take advantage of this technology 
and ultimately help us being able to like, you know, come up with innovative use cases, how to, how to deliver the promise of the digital world. Uh, so that's the big thing. We're seeing uh, uh, several startups that have submitted their ideas. We also have innovation labs where we work closely uh, with uh, the startups who we bring into our facility. <coughs> have the technology working, they are working, you know, essentially co-creating those use cases uh, with us as well. So that's a big, big part of our innovation play. Great. So Shankar, switching gear, um, you are a big evangelist of reskilling. And uh, in many ways, we are, we, are, we are getting into an era of lifelong learning, where you have to be on a learning continuum. Um, and I've heard you speaking many times about how that is a big agenda for you, for your teams. And scaling digital, the single biggest challenge in my view is, uh, you know, repurposing human capital. Um, tell us how that is going and what do you think, uh, what do you think is the future of rescaling in a way? That's a, uh, that's a big priority for us. And uh, um, at Verizon, we are focused on fostering this environment of continuous learning. Um, and this is the difference from like, you know, shifting from that fixed mindset to a growth mindset, if you will, right? Because there was a school of thought that, okay, intelligence is static, but really intelligence can be developed and that's what we want to embrace and make sure that the entire organization embraces that approach of continuous reskilling, upskilling themselves. So if I look at specifically uh, from a technology standpoint, what we've been doing, it starts with the architecture. So we, before we embarked on this transformation, the first thing that we focused on was to build a blueprint for what it is that we're going to do, right? So that became our North Star. That architecture essentially helped in two ways. One, it helped us set up an organization that can bring that architecture to life. Second, it also helped us, it informed us in terms of what are the directional technologies and the capabilities skills that are needed for the future and we have now an inventory of what are the skills we have as an organization, because when it is technology, it's all about it. talent. So now we have a blueprint of skills we have today, skills we need for the future. How do we really bridge this gap? So what are the learning journeys that we need to and, be And you can on? see what, what the skills of the future are. Absolutely, right? So when it comes to technology specifically, there are areas where we have standardized on frameworks that we are using today, so that way, we can better utilize our, 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 our team members, our talent in an effective way. There are also technologies that we are placing big bets, emerging technologies that we are placing big bets on, where we will know the, although we may not have the necessary skills today, what steps do we have to take to make sure that we can meet those needs of the future in those areas, and then develop these uh, uh, learning journeys, if you will. So we have rolled out this, what we call the Learning Portal 2.0, here in Verizon and the uh, excitement around our employees embracing this and the number of the hours they are spending uh, learning and getting these certifications, et cetera, has been uh, very, very uh, refreshing to see the big, how this whole learning portal 2.0 has become a catalyst of the culture change as well. Awesome. In fact, uh, that's a fascinating point, what you just mentioned, the ability to identify skills of the future and where you are and to build that bridge. I had two questions, one serious and one a light one, and I'll end with the light one. Um, what would be those blind spots in digital journeys you would ask or you would actually recommend your peers to be watchful about in the industry? 
I think like you know, see as much when I talk about in this whole digital transformation, uh, we subscribe to the approach of you know digital transformation requires a wholesale reinvention of every aspect of the organization. And what do I mean by that? It is you know it impacts technology, it is process, it's people, it's culture, it's leadership, and it only works when it all works, right? It's not that you can just focus on one and ignore the others. So that's one of the big things that I would say as well to make sure that in your digital transformation agenda, there is equal emphasis being given on this whole thing. If there is one, if you ask me to pick out of the five, uh, out of experience, like, you know, that's been the most challenging, I would say, is culture. As much as a technology organization and all the work that we do, uh, the critical area of focus is really on that. And culture. do you front load that ahead of the transformation? I would say like, you know, to make sure that's because when we talk about this whole transformation, we first need to make sure we have a clearly stated goal. We're communicating that very widely and have a good rallying cry behind that because transformations are successful only when you make that a grassroots movement, which means every employee, every team member, every colleague believes in that and is recommitting themselves to that transformation. Only then it is successful. So as a leader, it's an important role for us to make sure that we are setting the right tone for culture. And uh, uh, you know, culture, when you talk about culture change, it is hard because culture change happens one individual at a time. It's not something you wave the wand and, and say, okay, now I'm, I'm changed. And as leaders, it's, they, you know, we play a big role in defining what that culture is. I'm a big believer in culture change happens only two ways. One, the organization sees the actions the leader takes. Two, it is through the experiences that the leader creates. Absolutely. Because at the end of the day, if you think about this results pyramid, experiences is really at the bottom of this if you, pyramid, if you will, right? Experiences fosters a belief system for people. So and the belief saying. system influences the actions and actions produce results. So for a culture change to be effective, as a leader, we have to make sure we are deliberately providing, creating those experiences, which challenges the orthodoxies of the employees to say, something is changing for the better. So it, they, it will force them to really check the old belief system and start embracing the new, which will then automatically influence the actions they're gonna take and ultimately provide the results. That's a, that's an excellent framework, actually. So well said, I have to say. Uh, on a lighter note, and I'm going to yeah. put you on a spot on this, um, <laughs> what's a little-known fact about you? I've, I've met you for maybe a year now, and yeah. um, I don't know about it, so it will be interesting for everyone else to know. <laughs> and if you weren't a CIO, who would you like to be? Uh, I would like to be a playback singer. A playback singer? Yeah. Okay, that's in, uh, that's in uh, any language? Or? Uh, no, specifically, like, you know, my mother tongue, Tamil. So I'm a big fan of uh, SPB as well, uh, um, uh, SP Bal Subramaniam. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's, uh, that's been a, a passion of mine for a long time. Completely lost touch now, but uh, that was always someone, I, I, he was always someone like, you know. So you I, want to be I, a playback singer, that's yeah, interesting. That been. And what's a little known fact about you? Uh, I'm a good, uh, a very competitive racquetball player. Wow. Yes. A playback singer and a racquetball <laughs> player. That's two distinctive 
parts of a spectrum. Thank you so much, Shankar. That was so wonderful talking to you. Thank you. Always I get insights from conversations I do with you. Thank you for your conversation today. I have to say that you know I meet a variety of CIOs across the industries. You're one of the most dynamic, enterprising, and bold CIOs in corporate America. Thank you Thank so you much again. for the Thank opportunity. Thank you for your conversation well. today.